0: all right welcome back to the green mountain sports roundup i am Ernesto Sanchez and i'm here with john downing and marty griffin and we're here to give you a quick roundup of this week in sports welcome back everybody Uh, gentlemen how you doing very good
1: yeah It's a great, great weekend for me getting to watch the Masters, which this time of the year is very unique, definitely very different. We'll get into that a little bit, but for the most part, uh, not a bad week at all.
0: Yeah, well, well, with the exception of uh, a lot of those smart money taking a beating this weekend. Uh, Yeah. Holy smokes. But uh, I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit. Let's uh, get right into our 61s for episode 61. Marty, I'm very curious what you got on the docket.
1: Uh, I went with Cowboy Hall of Famer, Ring of Honor, Nate Newton. Uh, One of the probably best guards to ever play and wear the star on the helmet. This was during the Cowboys' heyday. He was actually drafted by the Redskins, played with the Tampa Bay Bandits, One off year out of 83 and then was signed by the Cowboys in 86 and carried his career out through 1998. But as we know, in those early 90s, those Cowboys uh, were quite the championship team. One of the best franchises of its time at that point. But uh, Nate Newton, uh, three-time Super Bowl champion, six-time Pro Bowl, two-time All-Pro, just a solid NFL player. Uh, One of my favorite uh, Dallas Cowboys of all time and my 61, Nate Newton.
2: Johnny, you want to go next? I'm going to go with Marcus Cannon, offensive tackle from Texas Christian University. Plays for the Patriots. He was drafted in 2011 in the fifth round with the 138th pick in the draft.
1: Good old horned toad. And that fell for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nobody's got nothing to say about the horned frog. Okay. <laughs>
0: I guess I'm up next for my uh, number 61. I decided to do NHL. Rick Nash played for the Columbus Blue Jackets, the New York Rangers, and finished out his career in 2018 with the Boston Bruins. Nash scored at least 30 goals seven times for Columbus, uh, including 41 in the 03-04 season when he shared the Rocket Rashad trophy with Ilya Kovalchuk and Jerome McGinley, and then he would later go on to top that uh, when he scored 42 goals for the Rangers in 2014-2015. He is a six-time All-Star, was on the NHL All-Rookie Team in 02-03. He has 73 career game-winning goals, and in 1,060 games played. 437 goals, 368 assists for 805 points. My 61, Rick Nash. All right, uh, let's get right into it. It's a busy last couple days for the NBA. And just as we're coming on to record right now here on Wednesday evening, we receive breaking news that Klay Thompson uh, has torn his Achilles sending the entire NBA Twitter aflame. Johnny, what do you got?
2: Yeah, so he got injured earlier today, and they immediately thought it was worst-case scenario. They thought it was an ACL, but I guess it turns out to be his Achilles. And, you know, Klay Thompson missed the entirety of last season, so the Warriors were planning on having him and Steph Curry back for another run at it this year. Because obviously with Curry and Clay Hurt last year, they weren't able to do much. And they ended up with the second pick in the draft this year. So they were looking to bounce back this year and have a full squad and, you know, make the second pick and possibly trade that. Who who really knew? But they did just make the second pick. They took James Wiseman, the big guy out of Memphis. So just a lot up in the air. Can't imagine what what it's got to be like, you know, so they're. Fielding calls on people like I know the Celtics, the other teams have been wanting to trade up and take that pick, but the Warriors don't know exactly what they're going to do. And they literally just got the Achilles information minutes before the draft. I don't really know if they're going to keep Wiseman or they're going to if they're going to trade Wiseman. I guess I like him. I like I like Wiseman. I like Edwards the best. He went number one to Minnesota. And the draft seems to be going fast and furious right now. Actually, number three, the number three pick just went to the Hornets. It's LaMelo Ball. And as of now, it seems like the Warriors are going to keep Wiseman, but it's early. I know they've been fielding calls on potentially trading the second pick, which is now Wiseman. So they could still do that. Uh, Potentially, maybe Gordon Hayward to replace Klay Thompson. I don't know, but you got to, if you're the Warriors, you got to plan on Klay Thompson. He'll be out for the entirety of the 2021 season
0: man that's tough
1: yeah i it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do i mean they, i know they originally wanted wiseman if you know before the whole thompson thing to be an understudy with draymond green who is a mastermind defensively a uh, very high uh, basketball iq so that was going to be a great fit great physical front uh fit if that kid you know took off right away of Only played three games last year in college ball. He ended up sitting out because possibly uh, taking money. I think it's all involved with Penny Hardaway as the Memphis coach and, was chose to sit out so a lot of curiosity to see how well he will do in that draft i, I imagine we'll probably get a little more and more draft talk next week because it's actually going on right now and we don't take up the whole show talking about it but definitely hard times for the warriors and a lot of figuring out like how they're going to adapt or if they want to even try to adapt this year and be relevant this year
2: we don't know okay so we i guess we don't know for sure that it's a torn achilles right now uh sham sharania has the latest he's saying Clay suffered a lower leg injury. He's undergoing tests to determine severity, but it seems to be lining up. They say it's a heel injury. Um, So it seems like it's a torn Achilles, but obviously we don't know for sure.
0: All right. Well, quickly before we move on, uh, speaking of the third pick, LaMelo Ball, at the very least, how do you think he's going to do and where do you think he'll rank in performance next to uh, his brothers who have preceded him?
1: I mean he hit that growth spurt when he went overseas this is a kid his freshman year is like 5 8 and now he's like 6 7 he's got a lot of upside great handle great skills like his brother not the best shooting form he's got some abnormalities and like how he shoots and he is not a great as far as percentage wise a great shooter from the outside he's not a consistent shooter from the outside and there's going to be questions of is he going to play defense because he didn't show much of that over in the EuroLeague. As what he did pick up on the League is great ball-handling skills, great court awareness on the offensive end. I think he will be a factor offensively, just how much so soon it's, it's going to be hard to tell. Uh, I think his brother's been a bust in, in, in a lot of ways of the hype that was built up around that. It's going to be interesting to see how, how he uh, shapes up.
2: Whoa, so pick number four just went. And it's Patrick Williams from Florida State went to the Bulls. That That is an upset. That's the first shocker of the draft. And yeah, thought, apparently the Cavs are, are fielding offers for the number five pick right now. So maybe it's your first trade of the draft. It's coming fast I, and furious.
1: I thought they were going to take the Israeli, that, that good forward. He was pretty solid. I thought that's where the Bulls would go.
2: Yeah, this is uh, wild. I love how fast it is. The NFL draft is usually painstaking. Much, it is painstaking. The NBA is just like, all right, we're ready to go.
1: Make your picks. <laughs> Anything else you want to add, Johnny? Uh, It'll be
2: interesting. Ball? It'll be interesting to see the relationship between Ball's dad and Michael Jordan. I, I can't uh, imagine that they're going to mesh.
1: I didn't, well, think about, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't think he meshes well with anybody.
2: Uh, well, yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, some of the comments that you think that guy makes are just outlandish.
1: That fucking guy's certifiable. certifiable. He's, he's crazy.
2: Yeah, he is. Just so much action happening in the NBA right now. It's fun. Did you see that Bogdanovich uh, is not going to the Bucks now from the yes, Kings? He wants he to said, field
1: free, free agency. Yeah, that's yeah, he, huge.
2: He said no. And then you we saw Horford got traded from the Sixers to Oklahoma City. And for the trade exception, apparently that might be a move that enables Philly to, to put a package together to get James Harden. Because it gets them a mid-level exception spot. And that's something that the Houston Rockets would covet in a package. So
1: I'm Houston, I'm just going to sit on hard. I got you for two years. It's going to be worth my while as a Rocket, as the owner, as the GM, for this to work. And not just react to two players who want to be out. You know, I, I, I'm going to sit on this guy till I get exactly what I want. And what was brought up today, lot uh, watching uh, some sporting news is that Watts' face, who is now director of operations for Sixers, pretty much walked out on the owner over in Houston. So does he really work in his favor to help out the Rockets' owner for his own situation? Do they really go after Harden and, and basically appease somebody that he actually truly hates, that he walked away from his job from? Daryl Morey? Yeah.
2: So Maury was the GM of the Rockets and is now the GM of the Sixers. So you're thinking that there's no way that the Rockets are going to send Harden to hit to the Sixers now,
1: right? No, they just they just had a very turbulent relationship when they were in the Rockets organization, and it was just basically stated today on a couple of shows that I was watching that that could be a big a big hang up for that. For happen.
2: sure, for sure, especially with the trouble that Maury caused the league and the Rockets and his comments about China last year,
1: right. It'd be interesting to see how that unfolds, and it really shocked me that Oklahoma picked up the three-year eighty-one million, eighty-one million dollar contract on Al Horford too. Well, it seems like he's trying to break up all its little chess pieces there.
2: Well, like I said, it's just uh, I, I mean, I think they're going to find a way to to move that or just use that as a piece somehow. So that is the, now they have, in addition to Horford, who I don't really think they want. I think. What they want is the stockpile of picks. So they now have 16 16 first-round picks in the next six years is what Oklahoma City Thunder has now in their treasure chest. So they are hoarding picks for something. But as we get back to like the main players, we know it's a player's league in the NBA, and the players are the ones who really call the shots here, right? I mean, so if James Harden rejects a two-year, $100 million extension, which he just did, and says he wants to go to the Nets. I mean, you got to think that your money has got to be on that he's probably going to end up with the Nets somehow. Even though I guess Kyrie wants nothing to do with him on the Nets, but if he wants to play there, it's a players' league, and somehow the players always get what they want. The last guy we saw do this was Anthony Davis, and he wanted to go to the Lakers, and by God, he made it happen. And it's just like whatever the player wants, the player gets in that league, and. I guess it's a good thing if you're a player, but if you're a fan of a team, it's it's a shame because the second your hometown star player wants out, he's gone, and you're stuck holding the bag of nothing with nothing in it.
1: Rarely do you get that trade for that one big superstar, and you're on the receiving end of four players and a bundle of picks here and there. Does it really work out for that franchise?
0: No, not, you exactly. not
1: giving that away. Never in the history that I can remember is that really worked out for any team.
0: Yeah, such a star-driven league. Uh, well, we'll get into the fallout of the NBA draft next week. But b- before we move into the Masters, there's a lot of talk on our personal text thread about James Harden this week and uh, a little bit of flippity-floppity on uh, on the part of you, Johnny, and some fierce uh, – how do I want to say it? <laughs> and, some, and some extreme hate on, on your part, Marty. You don't want this guy in Boston. Uh, I w- don't. What are our I... takes here?
2: So th- – My thinking is this, okay? I thinking about James Harden going to the Nets, which it kind of seems like is going to happen because it's what he wants. And like I said, it's a player's league. So if he goes to the Nets and plays with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, that is just another roadblock for me as a Celtics fan. And the Celtics, this is another reason why I look back on this past year in the bubble and why I was so mad that the Celtics blew it to the heat because this was their chance to get to the finals and potentially do something because I knew that once Kevin Durant was healthy and Kyrie was back, they were going to try to add a third player somehow. And if it's James Harden, does it have the chance to blow up massively? Absolutely. It Could it be catastrophic and just an, an absolute horrible, crazy thing for the Nets? It, absolutely. For sure. You put those personalities together, it could be just an absolute shit show that it would be fun to watch but there's also a chance that it is they're unbelievable there's a chance that they go get 65 or 70 wins actually they're only playing 72 games this year so there's a chance that they win they go 60 and 12. there's a chance that they do that and go to the nba championship because they're that talented those players are that talented so if you're the celtics and you're a celtics fan and you're looking at it and you're like okay so the bucks just made a trade for drew holiday so the bucks with Giannis and Drew Holiday and Middleton, and no longer Bogdanovich, but they tried to get him. So the Bucs are better than the Celtics. So the Nets are better than the Celtics. The Heat are in contention. Uh, you have the Sixers to worry about. So there's all these other teams that the Celtics have to worry about now. And I just feel like the Celtics are losing pieces. And what are we doing? I feel like we're going to go backwards as Celtics players, if we're going to trade Gordon Hayward and you know make these three middle to late round picks in the draft tonight – and I'm just thinking to myself, maybe this is the best the Celtics can do. Is They've reached the conference finals in three of the past four years. Uh, they're going to be left with you know Tatum and Jalen Brown and Smart, and that's probably it. And hopefully they become something. But what if, what if Tatum thinks this isn't enough and he leaves in two years? At least this would show that the Celtics will do whatever it takes to win if they were to acquire someone like Harden. And it would prevent the Nets from getting him. And I just think it would add some level of excitement. You are adding, an, you would be adding an MVP player. Do we like his style of play? Absolutely not. We don't like how he dribbles the ball so much and he plays an ISO game. It doesn't usually win in the NBA playoffs. It wins in the regular season. It builds stats. But you can't deny that he's a great player. He is a great player. And hopefully if he played with Tatum and Jalen Brown that it would work itself out. Maybe it wouldn't. But you know they tried with Kyrie and that didn't work out. I I don't think that Harden's as crazy as Kyrie. Maybe he is. Maybe there's not enough. Stri- <laughs> maybe there's not enough strip clubs in Boston for for Harden. Oh. I don't know. But it would be nice from so as much as I was I'm I hate on Harden and I'm like short his short drive to Springfield. His style of play <laughs> will never win in the NBA, and I I do kind of believe that. But if you pair him with Tatum and Jalen Brown, maybe I could be proven wrong. But I think if the Celtics aren't going to do anything and they aren't going to win anything for the next few years, let's at least, like, really go for it. And I think I came around to it, and, you know, I was like, I don't want Harden, I don't want Harden. But then as soon as I saw the rumors that he was in Boston having dinner with Danny Ainge last night, I was, I got excited, and I jumped up off the couch, and I was like, yes, let's do this. Let's get the big name of Austin. This would be the biggest name the, the Celtics have gotten since Kevin Garnett, and it would be – a a really big deal. And I think that at the very least it would re-energize the team. I think they would do
1: something. You were skiing on fraudulent waters last night. That was for sure. for a little Oh, while. for sure. For sure. <laughs> for sure. And something that I, I fell in love with, with the grit of Boston and just the, it, it, they embody the, the city, this tough, hard nose fight for the ball. That's what smart has been for this organization for the last few years. You could see the grit in Brown and the grit in Tatum I just don't see Harden bringing just this brash, killer attitude. He kills for his own stats. I don't necessarily think he's always killing for his team and thinking about the big picture and how the game plan's supposed to go sometimes. I don't know how that meshes with Brad Stevens because he wants a coachable player, and Harden is not a coachable player. Harden's going to do what he wants to do. Danny Ainge does like the big players. He likes the big names, but I think you have that in Brown and Tatum, and I think if you, if, if you shop Gordon Hayward... And you can get something relatively back, free some space, and bring in one other just veteran weapon. And I think that's where they need is a veteran that's going to lead them with a way of, like, follow me and do as I say, rather than a Harden who's going to lead it by, like, get the fuck out of my way and just let me do my thing. And I don't know where Brown and Tatum falls in and, like, how they fit into the scope of the offensive scheme. I just don't know how that works out. He just tears teams apart. That's why Westbrook, I thought, was a perfect fit for him in Houston because, you know, if he gets moving in, in, on a fast break, Westbrook's not going to give it out. He's going to penetrate and either kick it out or go to the basket, draw a foul. I thought they were, those two were great together. And with the injuries they had the past year with their players, this changing to a smaller lineup of the Rockets, I can't believe that the Rockets would be almost on the fact that they want to bail from this and not give it another year with Westbrook and Harden as well. But if this ultimately comes down to what you say, Johnny, is, is a superstar wants out, they usually get what they want. And just like, it's definitely Harden leading the charge here. I'm just not a big fan of, that, of the idea of him coming to Boston.
2: But you got to admit, it does scare you a little bit, the idea of Harden pairing up with Kyrie and Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. Does it, does it not?
1: Absolutely, but almost like you talk about it from an entertainment factor. I'd rather take that risk with him and just see him and Kyrie implode and, and everything just blows out of the water with all these big names. We don't even know what Durant can do yet. He has not been tested since his injury. This has been a very long sit out. I don't know if they get back into it right away and find that rhythm and vibe, what they shop to get him. You're going to get rid of Dinwiddie. Um, God, his other name is other, escaping me. Karis but, LeVert. Uh, Levert, Levert and yeah, Jared LeVert. Allen. Those, and those two guys are solid players, a solid four, solid five on your team and you're going to be giving that up. It's just, it's just going to be interesting to see what those three players, undeniably they're going to make the playoffs. Are they going to be mentally built to go all the way and win and stand by each other and play as a team? Who knows? Like I said, this is Harden and Kyrie. They, they, can, they know how to fall apart.
2: It's a tough call. It really is. I've seen looking at like Celtics fans on Twitter the last 24 hours, it, it legit is just split down the middle. Some fans are like, yeah, let's do it. The other fans are like, hell no, keep that guy away from my team. But it's just yeah. strange because rarely do you have an opportunity to get an MVP player on your team and, and half the fans are like, hell no, I don't want that guy near my team. Keep him away. He's the worst. You know, so he's definitely a player where there's lines drawn <laughs> in well, the just, middle. Just,
0: yeah. just remember, you know, you can't win with certain guys. But Kyrie has won before, and Kevin
2: Durant has won before, and the only one who hasn't is Harden, and he's come awfully close.
1: I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It's, gonna be, it's, gonna, it's definitely going to be fun to watch, see how all this plans out.
0: Well, speaking of playing it out, the Masters this past weekend in November, Dustin Johnson ran away with it, shooting 20 under, uh, beating out the closest challenger, Cameron Smith, and Sung Im by five strokes. Marty?
1: It was just a masterful performance. He, he came out of the gate on day one on Thursday, shot a uh, 65, never looked back, one of the few players in history to go wire to wire from the Masters as well and not give up a lead. Johnson got a little shaky on the fourth day, giving up a couple of bogeys, uh, but really got it back by the sixth hole, and he, he just didn't look back from there. Wait, didn't uh, he win
2: by, like, a million strokes?
1: Five strokes.
2: Yeah, a million. Five
1: strokes. M. M had a good shot. M just was having the left fade on all of his approach shots. The guy was masked for off the tee box like he was a machine. Everybody was in awe of his, his drives uh, in the fairways. and basically a robot, but he just kind of kept pulling to the left on the final day. Really couldn't get it going. You could see the pressure. Usually when the, your shot's fading like that, it um, means you're over-gripping. You're kind of you know panicking and overthinking your shots. You could see, see where uh, Dustin had the edge there, and he didn't look back. Uh, he was really smart, really didn't try to overattack, even though he broke the record. I think he could have, if he wanted to take some chances, win by 22, but he did not push it too much. He knew he had the lead, and he, he was just masterful. And The next big name that showed up that, that we would know is Justin Thomas, who was 12-under, but nobody really competing that I thought would on the final day being Rahm. DeChambeau, we knew DeChambeau was going to be somewhat of a head case. And it, he really had a little hard time with that swirling win on the third and fourth day. Uh, sad to see Tiger final day. He was just kind of cruising along four to five under. Um, but on the final day on hole number 12, which is a par three, uh, put three in the water for 10 strokes and just basically completely fell out of it and uh, just not a good way to go. Even it's kind of funny because that's where he took the lead on Molinari last year because Molinari went in the water and it just kind of jumped back and bit him uh, this year. But uh, just a great victory by Dustin Johnson. Ordered my T-shirt yesterday. Nobody likes nothing but white lines and green jackets, baby. That's uh, Dustin Johnson. <laughs> uh, I don't know I don't, I don't know how the masters necessarily feels about him uh, winning. Uh, he's just not your typical kind of like graceful golf player but he is great for the organization, the league PGA. Uh, he's definitely watchable and fun fun to follow but
0: speaking of watchable Agre- and fun, Paulina Gretzky's watchable and fun too.
1: Oh my God well I'm just saying like <laughs> you know, even the announcer that day that was on Golf Network not, a, um, not ABC when they walked off he had a handful of Gretzky ass. Just, just a handful of her ass walking off to sign the, sign the card, and, and the announcer on the Golf Network goes, "Oh, guess he's got another hole to play later."
0: Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ!
1: It was tremendous. I think he probably's gonna get fired for that, but he couldn't resist.
0: So Marty, does that mark the end of this golf season or do we have any more events to look forward to?
1: Yeah, there's some events out there that this one coming up, still got, you know, web Simpson. and you Sun JM, who just had a great run at masters is playing this week. I'm still going to put some fantasy draft lineups together with, with a couple of these next tournaments, but, um, it's going to be a quick turnaround because you're going to kick back up again. Uh, you know, late February, and then this time around, you're not waiting forever. The Masters will be back uh, late April, so that's always basically the mark of the beginning of all the majors and when the real true competition really begins in golf, but there's going to be always events around the world that happen because the money's there in this sport, but that was the last major of the year. That was the last big hoorah for, for PGA this season, and hats off to Dustin Johns outside of this being a COVID. What a hell of a run he had this year. And the PGA, arguably the number one player in the world, and he held it in this event. So huge round of applause for a hell of a year for a PGA player.
0: Massive meltdown for Bryson DeChambeau, eh?
1: Yeah, he's still growing. A lot of things you can see is getting to him. A lot of making excuses in his interviews after the yeah, match. And, he's a and, doucher, isn't he?
2: Isn't he a big doucher?
1: <laughs> he's grown. He, he used to be massive, massive, massive dude. dude like he's grown a little bit. He's he's had some likable moments, but he's still, you know, somebody who needs to grow, uh, you know, mentally in this sport to be uh, more consistent. I was just a little shocked by John Rom. He just got caught up in the moment and was trying to scratch back and taking a lot of chances and just really couldn't crawl back into it. I mentioned him on the show last week in the betting and draft kings, and a guy who fucked me in my lineup. Was Shoffley, and this is a guy who's been consistent, but he just falls the last two days or the final day, and you got to scratch your head about this guy. Be interesting to see how he goes into the next uh, next year and and how he plays and how he goes back out with his putting coach and driving coach and and really his swing coach. I should probably say and see if he can work some things out. But uh, kind of a big disappointing year for him.
0: Let us get into the week that was in the NFL, Johnny. I think the perfect place to segue into this uh, would be the Fraud of the Week.
2: Yeah, so Fraud of the Week this week. Please take this with a grain of maybe they're not super fraudulent, but this past week they were, and they have fraudulent tendencies. So this week's Fraud of the Week is going to be the Baltimore Ravens. which uh, You know, it, it does... It does not pain me at all to name them the frauds, even though their only losses this year have been to the Kansas City Chiefs, the undefeated Steelers, and to the New England Patriots on a Sunday night in which Belichick called the weather gods uh, to deliver the horrible weather for that game. <laughs> so they lost twenty three to seventeen this past Sunday night to the Patriots, and for me the reason that the main reason that I call them frauds is because. So, I think it was the week before or two weeks before we mentioned Lamar Jackson saying, calling out the coaching staff, saying that the the defenses knew what plays were coming before they were running the plays on offense. And, you know, he didn't say necessarily that it's the coaching staff's fault. But when you say something like that, you're implying that the, the coaching staff isn't doing enough to disguise your play calling. And to that, I say, well, Lamar Jackson. The reason that you're so predictable on offense calling your plays is because you, my friend, are so limited in what can be done offensively with you. Unfortunately, Lamar Jackson is not one who can take a pass play, scan the field to his first, second, third, or even fourth option. He can't even look to his second or third option when it comes to a pass play. It's usually one read, maybe two. He's off and running. And so for an offensive coordinator... That makes things difficult because there's only so much you can do when your quarterback can't get the ball down, downfield. And now we've heard wide receiver Marquise Brown already mentioned this year that he wants the ball more, but Lamar Jackson can't get him the ball. And if you're so, if you if you have such a difficult time offensively, getting the ball to your playmakers on offense, and even Mark Andrews, the great tight end who had a good season last year and is a great blocking tight end, isn't having the same year that he had last year. Lamar Jackson needs to figure out throwing the ball. Otherwise, the defenses are going to continue to do what they're doing to him. And that's basically setting the two strong edges, not letting him get outside, keeping him contained, and forcing him to do something. And lately, what he's been doing is not much offensively. And it's been, it, it leads to stall drives, it leads to turnovers, and it leads to punts. So unfortunately, the Ravens, even though they're super talented and they have a lot of great players on defense, they are frauds and they're the, this week's fraud of the week because of their lack of offensive ability.
1: You're you're hardballs. So what's the next step? How do you rectify the situation and steer the ship right? I mean, can this team get going?
2: I'm not sure. I think we may have seen the best that we're gonna see out of Lamar Jackson. We saw RG3 go through a similar progression. And Colin Kaepernick as well. Once these running quarterbacks who aren't great throwers have been figured out by the league, sometimes it's it means the end for them, and it comes really yeah. quick. And if Lamar Jackson can't figure out how to get the ball down the field with his arm, then I'm afraid he's going to suffer the same fate. And it's only going to be a few years, and it's going to be like, oh, remember how good Lamar Jackson was for that brief period? The same thing that we do for RG3 and Colin Kaepernick. Fair enough. And-
0: credit where credit's due to I think the Patriots defense figured some things out this past week in holding uh, Baltimore to fewer than 20 points for the first time in the last 32 games so
2: yeah and that's why like I said before it's important to take a strong stand on a show it is but this is kind of a weak stand for me <laughs> I the fraud fraud of the week because there needs to be a fraud of the week so even though they're six and three and they are still a good team and I think they're still 12-1 to 1 favorites to reach the Super Bowl. But I just think that they have weaknesses that have been exposed. And so that makes them fraudulent.
0: Getting to more exposed weaknesses, our Thursday game. The Colts continue to own that ass in Tennessee. The Colts being 28-9 versus Tennessee in regular season games since 1998.
2: Johnny called it. Yeah, so the line was funny on this one. It was Tennessee minus two, and I think everyone you know, had seen Tennessee be good lately and especially over the past year and a half and just assumed that they would beat the Colts. But there was something in my head. I remember that the Colts just they they seem to have Tennessee's number over the years and it proved to be the case again in this game in the second half. They just absolutely absolutely dominated Tennessee and Tennessee has some major holes defensively. They could have been a fraud of the week as well. Maybe we'll save them for Future weeks because their schedule looks a little tough. So maybe a hint for uh, weeks ahead potential fraud are the Titans because if you can stop Derrick Henry, Tannehill is not a huge threat to beat you. So if you can t- if you can take out AJ Brown and Derrick Henry specifically and force Tannehill to beat you, Tennessee defense can be had. So the Colts took advantage of it and Nae- Naeem Hines had a huge game on his birthday, scoring multiple touchdowns. It's a shame that Jonathan Taylor, the rookie running back out of Wisconsin, didn't get really going this year. He's been, he just hasn't, the Colts are fearing that he's the next Trent Richardson. He doesn't hit the holes hard. He doesn't run with decisiveness. And they're hoping that he figures it out, obviously, sooner than later. But right now, he just looks like a lost soul out there. And so that's opened the door for Naeem Hines and Jordan Wilkins to have big weeks at running back. And Now that they have T.Y. Hilton back healthy, and they also have uh, Michael Pittman had a big game. Michael Pittman came back, the rookie receiver, and now he's healthy. He had 100 yards against the Titans. And to go with Zach Pascal, you know, Rivers can do what's needed. I don't think the Colts have an explosive offense at all, but I think that they have a really good offensive line. They have a really good defense, defensive line, front seven specifically. The running backs, they have three running backs that can be used interchangeably. Uh, well, maybe two because Jonathan Taylor's not quite, there, quite yet there, but he, I think he'll get there eventually. And then they have good receivers, and Rivers is not great but capable. So the Colts are a little bit of a dangerous team going forward.
1: Definitely thought it was Rivers' best game of the season so far. I mean, he's had some big comebacks, but like from start to finish, like he had a really, really solid performance.
0: Next up, we have the Eagles, uh, the first place at the moment, getting a bye, or not getting a bye, but in olden days would have been getting a bye. Uh, Eagles losing to the Daniel Jones Giants 27 to 17. You know, I'm really impressed with the way New York is kind of salvaging their season and, and getting some positive things going in their favor.
1: Two-game winning streak, that's that's huge in the NFC East. <laughs>
0: it really is. I, I agree. <laughs> and
2: I agree with both of you guys, although there was a fight between the Giants co- head coach Joe Judge today, who's a hard-O, and the offensive coordinator Columbo. I guess Columbo knocked Judge out, and then...
1: That's proven to be wrong. It was just all verbal.
2: Uh, they're denying it, but eh, I, I'm not so sure about that. And then <laughs> Colombo was fired shortly after, so... Uh Judge is in, in charge. Don't mess with the hard o Judge.
1: <laughs> He's crazy to mess with Colombo. That guy's like 6'8. He's a beast.
2: Well, Judge is in charge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the three five and one Eagles remain in first place in the NFC least, and that is just a shame. This is a division where there could be a five and eleven team going to the playoffs.
1: Absolutely. Well, and something's got to give with the Eagles. Carson Wentz, he got popped 13 times in that game. Yeah, he looked bad taking stupid chances and just, uh, it, it falls a lot on his shoulders. You, you got to go to Doug Peterson, the head coach, and he. It's you got to start putting a little bit more pressure on him, I think. I think this team, on paper, and with what they have and what they're suiting up on Sundays right now, considering other injuries in the NFC East, has the best team. But, man, they just fall apart so easily. They're just, there's just no consistency to this team or discipline whatsoever.
2: So our bet is still alive. I have the two and seven Cowboys to win the division, and they're um within a game of winning the division. So,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dear God.
0: We have the Jaguars at the Packers. The Jags somehow really making a game out of it in Lambeau. Uh, the Packers able to pull it out 24 to 20, starting seven and two for their second straight season.
2: The Packers tend to do this, too. They're not as bad as the Steelers, but the Packers have been known to play down to their opponents.
1: Hats off to Robinson, the running back. You know, this kid was an undrafted free agent that's worked his way in this Jaguars system and kind of embodies the grit of this little offense that the Jaguars have. I mean, they're they're actually kind of... I watched a little bit of this game, and it was, it was definitely kind of fun to watch. And, you know, they got some good pieces on that team, but definitely wasn't the performance you're, you're expecting to uh, Rodgers to come out and do uh, they're definitely just stagnant coming out of the gate and then that second quarter just kind of took off
0: next up we have the Washington football team at the Detroit Lions Matt Prater with a 59 yard game winning field goal as time expires the Lions win 30 to 27
2: yeah I didn't catch much of this game I didn't see a desire to and I don't feel like I missed out I did see the Prater kick on the highlights to win the game. So good for the Lions. Good for Stafford through three touchdowns. Marvin Jones, DeAndre Swift seems to be developing into something solid, kind of an um, Alvin kamara light type running back, which is nice to see if they can get away from using Kerrion Johnson and Adrian Peterson, which it looks like they're doing, and just focus on getting the ball more to DeAndre Swift. I think that the Lions will be in better shape, and they did that, and it worked out. And Washington, you know, obviously the NFC East is a threat, so they're a playoff contender. And Antonio Gibson continues to have have a nice, strong rookie season. They just need to focus on getting him the ball more. But Alex Smith is limited offensively. Threw for 390 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, 55
1: times he threw. Yep, McLaurin is
2: number four in the NFL in receiving yards, so he's having
0: a good year. Next up, we got a snoozer. The Texans at the Browns. The Browns pulling it out 7-10. to 10, And this is, for Cleveland, the fewest points in a win since week 8 in 2012.
2: Yeah, so this was another weather situation game. It was delayed by 30 minutes at the start because of strong winds and rain, which was unusual because it's football. And usually, usually teams power through that stuff. But it was
0: fucked up out there, though.
2: It was messed up, so... But I think yeah, this game was definitely a snoozer. Not much to say about it. I, I don't really there's nothing really noticeable here. I know that the, Nick Chubb had a good game and he he stopped short of making it 17 to seven at the end of the game, and he so he did the anti Todd Gurley. He went out at the one yard line. Nick Chubb did, whereas Gurley went in and allowed the Lions to beat the Falcons in that game. In this game, Chubb went out, costing fantasy owners. Uh, It would have been a second touchdown of the day. But Chubb had a big game, over 100 yards rushing. Hunt had a big game, over 100 yards rushing. Uh, Mayfield did very little, and that's exactly the way the Browns want to play it this year going forward because the more they have Mayfield involved, the more mistakes are made. So if they can just keep playing behind the offensive line and the two good running backs, I think they'll, they'll, they'll be in for a decent season. I think they're limited, but I think they're in line for a decent season
1: correct me if i'm wrong johnny but then also they didn't cover the line in the game by him going out of bounds
2: no i'm not gonna correct you because you are correct oof yeah that's tough if you had shot right if you had chubb in season-long fantasy daily fantasy if you had the browns like you're hating nick chubb right now
0: (laughs) thankfully that's not me
2: smart (laughs) football move yeah but I, I can feel I, I can feel people's identify with people's pain on that one because it's just something that would I feel like would happen to me at some point. But <laughs>
0: it's never fun. It's never no, fun. It, I avoided that lane of mine. Well, speaking of which, the Panthers didn't have very much fun this weekend as the Buccaneers laid the fucking smackdown on them, forty-six to twenty-three. Featuring a Ronald Jones, the second 98 yard touchdown rush,
1: yeah, which is
0: the longest in Tampa Bay history. It is a good thing. I uh, kept him on my bench in favor of James Connor. Ooh, Good for me. Ouch.
2: Yeah. And so in the Buccaneers, it seems like they are the best team in the NFL, except when they have to play the Saints <laughs> he scored on nine consecutive possessions in this game.
1: Yeah. As head coach Mark Rowe for the Panthers said, epic performance a la, you know, the GOATs, still the GOAT. He was just referring to Tom Brady. And I kind of disagree, Johnny. There's a few times he missed some open players. Gronk, Antonio Brown at one point. Don't get me wrong. He was great in that game. Uh, still just a couple just off passes by Brady that's unlike him.
2: Yeah, they're still figuring it out for sure. You but, know, they're still getting Antonio Brown involved and go with that. Oh, had a great game. Godwin. But yeah, it seems like, He got he got them all fed. He got six targets to Godwin, eleven to Evans, eight to Antonio Brown. So he he, everyone everyone got to eat in this game, which is how to keep a team happy.
1: Yeah, just another McCaffrey-less Panthers team that struggled uh, rushing during that game. Mike Davis, who's been pretty solid uh, with Eh, McCaffrey out, not lately. Yeah, not lately.
2: He seems to have faded out pretty quickly.
1: You know that now we're getting to only three games played by McCaffrey now, so you got to be.
2: And he's out this week.
1: Yeah. So my question, Johnny. So if you lose a couple more games, you're the Panthers. Do you just put them on the shelf?
2: I hope so. I have Mike Davis in a lot of my leagues. (laughs) And I don't. I didn't. I didn't get McCaffrey anywhere.
0: Next up, we have the battle of the rookie quarterbacks: Justin Herbert versus Tua Tagovailoa and Tua going 3 and 0 to start his career. The Dolphins starting 6 and 3 for the first time since 2001, winning 29 to 21.
1: Crazy, man. I'm 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 just kind of in shock how how well they're playing. Quick
2: little interlude the Timberwolves are sending Ricky Rubio who they just got from the Suns in the Chris Paul trade to No, the Timberwolves are getting Ricky Rubio. Yeah, Minnesota he went, to,
1: he went to Oklahoma.
2: Right. So Oklahoma City Minnesota to send the 17th pick to Oklahoma City for Rubio, picks 25 and 28. Interesting.
1: It's a good point guard pickup.
2: Oklahoma City is just making moves all over the place.
1: Yeah, they're, like, right. a bus, they're like a bus terminal station right now. Nothing's staying. It's just on the It's on side. rail. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: All right, back to football. <laughs> Your thoughts on Tua, Johnny?
2: So the Dolphins are, are a good, solid team, and they have a good thing going. But they may be getting to be a little overrated. I don't think that they are great. I don't think two is great, although he's getting better each week. Um, I just think let's be careful with the Dolphins because I I know the bandwagon's hot right now, and it's a good it's a good uh, bandwagon to jump on. It feels like, but be careful.
0: There's- Come on, B. Flow is is changing the game down there. He's he's got the the all everyone buying in. And I, kids, I know the kid's got a lot of talent. Watching Tua's elusivity, and you know, displaying a little bit of his arm strength, throwing off his back foot on the run, it's definitely in there. He just he's got to take his rookie lumps.
2: If they can win this week at Denver, I'll be impressed because this is a a definite letdown spot. Denver's a tough place to play, especially this time of year, especially for a Miami team going to Denver at the end of November. Um, and then the following weeks they have the Jets and then Cincinnati, so they should be able to win, reel off three games in a row before their schedule gets tough, and that might secure them a playoff berth or close to it. But I think if the, if they do reach the playoffs, I think they are they'll be ripe to get blown the fuck out.
1: Hebert cutting off his golden locks this week. Did you see that, Johnny? I
2: did. Babyface. He may, face.
1: He may have lost his mojo with that hairdo. I know.
2: <laughs> Man, the two guys I wanted the Celtics to take, Devin Vassell and Halliburton, had fallen. Both just went, and Celtics are next. That's so such a bummer. Yeah, that just always goes like that, doesn't it? Guys fall, Absolutely. and you're like, oh, I want. Oh, Halliburton's fallen so far, and it's like, oh my god, I'm gonna. The Celtics are gonna get our guy. We're gonna get this guy. Then that vassal's the guy I definitely wanted because he can shoot, and that's what the Celtics need, especially the way Harrow burned them with the heat last year. The Celtics yeah. need need a sniper, and Vassal is that guy. And so, nope, the Spurs took Vassal, the Kings, the stupid Kings took Halliburton. <laughs> and now it's the Pelicans on the clock, and then the Celtics.
0: We have our next beatdown of the weekend. The Broncos at the Raiders. Las Vegas has now won five straight home games versus Denver Raiders winning 37
2: to 12. This one was a little surprising. I expected more out of lock in this game. Uh, He definitely was not good at all for interceptions in this game. And man, it just shows the inconsistency of a young quarterback sometimes. And yeah, he was not good. And the the Raiders took full advantage. Carr did not need to do hardly anything. Uh, Jacobs had two touchdowns, hundred yards, for the Raiders, but they didn't need to use their passing game at all just because the turnovers were setting up them, setting up the Raiders all day long. And so this was kind of a snoozer. And unfortunately, I, I like the Broncos because I think they play hard and tough, but when you have a quarterback, and we saw this when the Broncos played the Patriots, they almost threw the game away at the end. Uh, Locke just slings it, man. He just, he, there's armed talent, arm talent there in him, but he just – He's, he chucks it a lot. He's a big-time chucker.
0: Are we ready to stamp him with a with the bust label yet? No,
2: definitely not. Way too soon. Okay. Way too soon. I mean, he wasn't such a high pick. that he, The Broncos have really struggled to find the next quarterback. They've really struggled. So I think that they owe it to themselves and to Locke to give it a little bit more time. Um, like at least another year, or at least halfway into next year.
1: Well, there was no, there was no vision of them even making the playoffs in my mind. Right. This year. They Absolutely. knew they knew, it was, they knew it was going to be a building year.
2: And they lost Sutton early in the year, their best yeah. wide receiver. So once they get Sutton back to play with Judy and Fant, and, and I think things will be a little bit better for them. But he, I think Locke has a good arm. It's just he needs, I think he needs a a coach an offensive coach that can harness that talent and kind of teach him the right way to go about it because he makes a lot of undisciplined throws that are just unnecessary, and he needs someone to help rein that in.
0: Next up, uh, we have the San Francisco 49ers at the Saints, uh, the Saints winning 27-13 to in an otherwise unremarkable game. However,
1: Drew Brees
0: on the receiver, on the receiving end of a huge hit ribs and a punctured lung
1: five broken ribs and a punctured lung
0: jesus
1: yeah so now you're turning to uh hill or Jameis, Jameis. winston has taken over locker room actually listening to local twitter feed it was calling for winston the locker the team wants to see him up even though that hill's you know a fan favorite which is not a big case right now because there's no fans in the stand. It'll be interesting to see how uh, Sean Payton goes about this, but totally dodged the question today when it came to talking about who's his quarterback going to be uh, this coming Sunday.
2: No, so uh, Winston's going to be the quarterback go- this Sunday. Okay. I'm, I'm sure they're going to continue to use Taysom Hill.
0: That special in... package bullshit.
2: Absolutely, because you you know with with Winston comes good throws and good picks.
1: How... <laughs> how long do you let the Winston experiment go if it's a bust like – do you try to go over to Taysom Hill? like I don't think Hill can somewhere?
0: drive the bus.
1: I don't know. I well, mean, it's, well it's, we're going to find it's, out. Yeah. It's an interesting but, situation, which comes into some pretty big games this coming week, including the Bucks, which we'll get into.
2: Sneak peek, looking ahead. I've got the Falcons as an upset this week.
0: Ooh,
1: tickle me, will you?
0: Okay, next up, I have the game of the week, guys. Everybody is talking about it. Bills at Cardinals. The Cardinals winning 30-32 to 32 on a last play. Hail Murray to DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Kyler, man. Kyler Murray said, shit, hop down there somewhere and just fucking threw it up there. After uh, an amazing athletic move, uh, shedding a tackle or running against his throwing arm, throwing off his back foot 50 yards.
1: I watched the game from start to finish. I thought it was a great game. I thought it was a great game even for Josh Allen, who threw two picks just to battle back, to drive down the field late in the fourth quarter, take the lead. I thought that showed a lot of poise and basically some some growth on his side. Kid showing some grit right there. But just to turn around for Murray to go down and, and, and throw that hell, hell Mary, uh, where Hopkins out jumps three defenders who are on him and, and somehow pulls that ball in. This team is exciting to watch. They definitely are sitting in a good position going into a game against the Seahawks tomorrow night on Thursday night football. Um, I think this team is riding a high right now. I hope they just don't get caught with their guard down that they're going into this game ready to go uh, and keep this ball rolling. It's definitely a fun team to watch. And, Johnny, you got to think with Hopkins and the way Murray's been playing – Big-time play can happen at any time. The game can change at any time with these two outstanding players on on the offensive side of the ball.
2: I thought Josh Allen played really well in the first half, and the Bills played really well in the beginning of this game. And then the third quarter just showed how how up and down Josh Allen can be. And he was terrible giving the game away in the third and fourth quarter. And then he had that great drive at the end that seemed to win it with that late pass to Diggs with, like, 30-something seconds to go. And it was a great catch. But I think it was a, ser- a couple series before that where he, Josh Allen had that pick to uh, Patrick Patterson, which it was a nice play by him. But it just shows that the Bills have their own issues that they th- to deal with as well. And then on that final play where they, the Cardinals had 11 seconds to go and they didn't have any timeouts. Well, what, what the hell were the Bills doing? They were covering they were double covering guys in the flats, both flats. When they knew the Cardinals didn't have any timeouts, it just it, it didn't make any sense what they were doing. And, yeah. yeah, they had they had three guys on Hopkins, and it was an unbelievable play, but I, I don't know. I think the Bills made some mistakes there, too. But it was an incredible play by Kyler Murray. The throw was insane, throwing from the 50, twisting, running to his left that way, and, and then twisting and getting the ball into the end zone, and then Hopkins being the high man to high point the ball in the end zone over three guys. Uh, and then, just how about that trade by Billy O'Brien? Yeah,
0: I saw something hilarious that said DeAndre Hopkins embarrassed four bills on that play.
2: Yeah, I saw that too. It's <laughs> a good one. All right, Celtics <laughs> took Aaron Naismith. I like it. He's a shooter, sniper. Vanderbilt, six foot six, two hundred thirteen pounds, small forward.
0: Thank God <laughs> for small favors.
2: Well, think about that. So if they keep Hayward, now they have. So they got Tatum, Jalen Brown. Gordon Hayward and Aaron Naismith. I mean, that doesn't make any
0: sense. Hayward's got to be going, right? You'd think so. I apologize to the to the listeners for the basketball Tourettes.
1: <laughs> it's NBA draft night. <laughs> it's NBA draft night. We, we knew this was going to be a nine-hour show. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Moving on to the Seahawks at the Rams. The Seahawks continue their inconsistent play. Russell Wilson, well out of the MVP conversation. Uh, at this point, Rams winning 23-16. to 16.
1: Uh, Him throwing two more picks and a fumble. Basically, three turnovers. you got to question that two, two picks were in the end zone, targeting receivers, and that's three this year. And he hasn't done that. He's only done that once in his eight-year career. Definitely some lack of focus on his side. Definitely he does not feel supported with the running game, with Carson gone even talk about, which we've talked about the last couple of weeks, just how atrocious the Seahawks' defense is. Huge problems uh, for that franchise right now. I, I don't know, Johnny. How you see them faring out this week against the Rams um, in this division? Do they have a shot to to even win this division? The Seahawks? Yeah.
2: Well, so they got the big game tomorrow night against Arizona, which... Has a huge total. I think 57 and a half is the total for this game. The Seahawks are favored by three and a half. I like the Cardinals. I think I mentioned earlier this year, the Cardinals have seemed to have the Seahawks numbers. Even when the Cardinals aren't good, they play the Seahawks well. But Russell Wilson, he just, he's needed to do too much for that team. And he needs to be too much and he forces it too much. And he, and it leads to turnovers and that's what's happening. And we saw him force an interception in the end zone uh, we saw Jalen Ramsey and he it asserted himself as the best cornerback in the league, shutting down DK Metcalf, which is something that nobody else has done in the league so far this year. So uh, good for Jalen Ramsey. Welcome back to the NFL. It seemed like he'd been kind of quiet the last year since he got league. traded from the Jaguars. But yeah. he definitely announced his presence back in, in the league with authority with this shutdown of DK. So good That's on sort of- him.
1: So did Darius Williams on the other side of the ball. That kid's starting to bloom as well. Two interceptions that game. He's been a solid quarterback for the yeah. Rams as well.
2: So the Rams defense is maybe some, a, a unit that we haven't given enough credit to this year, I think. And maybe that's something going forward that we need to watch out for because the Rams play the Bucks this upcoming week. And it'll be interesting to see how well the Rams play against the Buccaneers and that explosive offense.
0: The NFC West is really interesting right now. It, as it stands, it's the 49ers on the bottom for obvious reasons, and then three six and three teams in the Cardinals, Rams, and Seahawks. It's really anybody's game there, and they're all talented but flawed teams.
1: Well, the right? Rams, Rams are just interesting to me because it's definitely by committee. Because you you know you got Reynolds, Higby, Cooper, Cup. You got Woods. All those guys are between 400. I think the most is you Cooper, mean Bob Kopp. Trees. And then I think Cooper Cup's your leading receiver right there at 577 on the season, but they definitely spread the ball out and they run by committee too, uh, behind Malcolm Brown and Henderson as well. Cam Akers
2: led the backfield last week though.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, they got a lot of weapons. It's just like how they, you know, I think they're distributing it well offensively and that defense is like we just said, is I think they're for real. If they can keep golf in the game and, keep him focused i think it all lies with him but i think this is a really solid team
2: offense is mis- is all misdirection stuff though and that's a tough way to win a game especially if you if you aren't playing the game on your terms which is leading from leading or playing close You know, if you fall behind, that's a tough way to win, and that's we saw. That's what happened to them against Miami a couple weeks ago. And yeah, you know, the misdirection stuff. It it, it's like you got one guy going here, and you throw back over here, and it becomes predictable. And I think that that's been a problem for them offensively. So we need to see McVeigh advance that offense a little bit. He's supposed to be this offensive genius, and I'm I'm waiting to see the next step in that.
0: Next up, we had our final beatdown of the week. The Bengals at the Steelers, the Steelers uh, responding the way they've responded in the last 10 contests against the Bengals, winning 36-10. to 10. This was just a, a great game to watch from the defensive perspective. The Steelers came in with the attitude that they're going to show this young rook what it's going to be like to be in the AFC division, uh, or excuse me, the AFC North Division with the Steelers, you're going to have to take this abuse no less than two times a year, so settle in and get used to it. Six sacks on the game. Ben continues to progress in his throwing, finally connecting on uh, the deep ball in this game. I, I like what I saw out of the team. I think we're on the right path. Our final gauntlet of bad teams that we would usually lose to will be over Next week, when we face the Jaguars, uh, r- ready for our loss to the Ravens on Thanksgiving Day, I'm happy with the trajectory as, as it stands, and uh, I got to see a little bit of Avery Williamson. Not as much as I thought I would see. High Smith getting more, more snaps than I expected, and Robbie Spillane continuing to do just God's work in there, filling in for the injured Devin Bush. Anybody else? Nothing?
2: Uh, Steelers are your boys. I mean, they played the Bengals this week. Joe Burrow is not good. and <laughs> I mean, there's really not much to say here.
0: Okay. <laughs> so we already talked about the uh, Ravens losing to the Patriots. Finally, we have the Vikings barely beating the Bears. A, a fairly uneventful game. Oh, brutal. Just difficult to watch, honestly. I didn't watch most of it. Uh, Second half did, was torture. But did catch Nick Foles, the new Mister Glass. I don't know. Broke his hip. Like, what the fuck was that?
2: Uh, but maybe not, because the coach said after the game that, that he doesn't expect him to miss any time, which is weird. Uh, really? Because it he looked yeah, rough. he was stretchered he, off. I know he looked and very but, hurt. But and the test came back okay. I I agree. He looked very hurt, and he looked like he'd be out for the rest of the season. But. uh I I don't I don't I don't know. I think Chicago doesn't know. They've lost four games in a row. They're in a tailspin in the offense. The the offense in the second half was absolutely abysmal. I think they got one first down on the last drive of the game. And the only time they scored was Cordwell Patterson returning for a touchdown against his former team. Uh, The Vikings, I thought, continue to play well. The Vikings are now one three in a row. They're back to respectable at four and five and they, they have a shot at the playoffs. Adam Thielen, his second touchdown catch was unbelievable, the way he moved the ball in his arm while oh, he was falling to the ground. Himself, that amazing. spin that he did with one amazing. hand. Oh, my God, what a catch. Uh, Dalvin Cook didn't have the huge game that we saw the previous couple weeks, but he's was still almost 100 yards. And I think the Vikings have something good going, especially with young r- wide receiver Justin Jefferson. He's the, been the best, wide, best rookie wide receiver in the NFL uh, to date. As far as yards go, um, I know you you like your touchdowns with Claypool. Yeah, yeah but as I was just as,
0: gonna say, excuse me. But, <laughs> but
2: as far as yardage go, which okay, is, okay, it's Justin Jefferson.
0: Yeah, no numbers and numbers. I get it. So, uh, how long before we end the the Nagy experiment and and move on to Chuck Pagano? Because that the writing seems to be on the wall there.
1: Well, he relinquished his uh, offensive playing call duties today to the offensive coordinator. Now, so he's given that up.
2: It's yeah, gotta be pagato.
1: close. It's gotta be close, especially if they
2: with them starting five and one this year, and if they finish like six and ten or seven and nine, I mean it, it's, it's me. gotta be it's gotta be close. It's which gotta is, be close. Which is and weird it's all to think Cody about
0: Parkey's fault. <laughs> Seriously, it is. Yeah. Even if they perform the same way they do this year, if the double doink doesn't happen, I think we're having a different conversation about this team. Maybe. Hmm. Quite possibly. It's all perception.
1: But you're asking for you're calling a coach's head at, and a plain devils advocate here. That's 25 and 14 um which is hard to think about for a Chicago Bears team because they've sucked for so long now. But it's just like do you really chop the head off the snake within this season if they continue to to lose with that record?
2: Yeah, it's tough it's 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 tough because they're just they're they're lacking so much offensively and that's yeah. it's strange because That's what Nagy was known for in Kansas city was being a good offensive mastermind. And you gotta have a
0: guy though.
2: He, you gotta have a guy just shows how important it is to have a a quarterback who can run the show for you. And if you can't keep your guys on the field and keep them consistent, then your team is going to struggle. And that's what we see out of the bears.
0: Interesting thing about week 10 though, the jets and Cowboys managed not to lose. The chiefs didn't win and the Falcons didn't give up a late lead. So
1: yeah, my Cowboys uh, course, look good.
0: Of course, those were all the teams on the buy. But all right, way to no sell it, guys. Thank you. Moving <laughs> on, <laughs> moving on to week eleven. Johnny, you want to take us through our picks? Yeah, so
2: we got a nice Thursday night game this week to kick off week number eleven. We have the six and three Cardinals at the six and three Seahawks for the NFC West. Uh, I guess co lead, right, with the Rams potentially. Uh, Seahawks are minus three point favorites. I mentioned earlier that I would be taking the Cardinals, and I will be taking the Cardinals. So Arizona plus three is the first pick of the week. Okay, now back to Sunday or on to Sunday. Game number one, we have the three, five, and one Philadelphia Eagles going to Cleveland to take on the six, and three Cleveland Browns. Cleveland is minus three and a half point favorites. The Eagles have
0: won five games in a row uh, against the Browns.
2: Yeah, this is a tricky one because the Eagles are stout defensively, so they could cause some problems. I mean, but the Eagles' strength is their defensive line, the Browns' strength is their offensive line. So it's kind of strength against strength here. All right, I'm going to go Eagles plus three and a half. I'm going to take the Browns there. Take it. Take it. It It makes sense. Yeah, it just, I don't feel strong about this one. Okay, next game, we have the three and six Atlanta Falcons at the New Orleans Saints. Seven and two without Mr. Breeze. In this game, the Saints are minus five point favorites, and I am all over the Falcons plus five here. Next on the docket, we have the Cincinnati Bengals, 2, 6, and 1 at Washington Redskins, Football 2 and team. 7. Washington Redskins are one and a half point favorites in this game. <laughs> All right, so we know the Bengals like to pass the ball a lot, and in this game, that's a recipe for disaster against the front seven of the Redskins. So I think that... While I don't think it'll be as bad as it was against the Steelers for Joe Burrow and the Bengals, I do think it could continue to be rough for them, especially because they've struggled with the health of their offensive line. So I'm going to go sit, uh, Washington, the football team, Redskins, plus Washington minus one and a half here. <laughs> the football team, Redskins.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. And what do we call
2: I don't even know. Losers. All right. You got to help me out with the next game because I don't have a line. It's Detroit, it? the Lions, four and five at the Carolina Panthers, three and seven.
1: Sure. And, uh, Panthers, minus one and a half.
2: Yes. Uh, well, Brid- Bridgewater got hurt in that game, but he should be okay, right?
1: Yeah, I think everything on uh, the MRI was negative.
2: All right. Oh, um, we know McCaffrey's out, obviously. I think the Lions will find a way to blow it.
1: I'm (laughs) going to
2: go Carolina plus one and a half. All right. All right. Next on the docket, we have the Steelers nine and oh at the Jaguars one and eight. I'm surprised by this line because the Steelers are only nine point favorites in this game. I would expect it to be 19
0: underperforming against inferior opponents.
2: Yeah, but I love this spot. I'm I'm going to go Pittsburgh -9 here. I like max, it a lot. Max play? Yeah, why not? Let's do Max Max play on this
1: Max one. Max play 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 play. Do I dare go against a max 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 play play?
2: On the I'll Jaguars be- too, mind you.
1: <laughs> You're insane, but do it. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not I'm not touching that. I'm just, <laughs> No
2: way. Go with the Jake Luton for the win. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> Next is the six and three Tennessee Titans potential future fraud against this week's current fraud, the Baltimore Ravens six and three in this game, the Ravens are minus six and a half point favorites. Last time they met was the playoffs last year where the Titans upset the Ravens as the one seed 28 to 12. So it's a bit of a revenge game here for the Ravens and a get right game for both teams. I'm surprised the line is six and a half though. I would have expected it to be three or three and a half. So to see it so high confuses me, and it makes me say, "Well, what the hell is going on here?" Baltimore must must be going to win big. So I'm going
0: Baltimore minus six and a half.
1: Take it. Taking it, Titans.
0: Here we go.
2: Okay. Next up, six and three Dolphins at the three and six Denver Broncos. In this game, Miami, only a a three-and-a-half-point favorite here. This is a home dog, three-and-a-half-point home dog, which is is historically uh, a spot where you want to take the home dog here. So I'm going to go Denver plus three-and-a-half. All right, next up, 0-9, New York Jets at the 2-7, and freshly shaven Chargers. Um, Chargers are minus eight-and-a-half-point favorites here. That seems insane to me. I think the Jets are playing better but they're making sure that they still lose. So I'm going to go Jets plus eight and a half. And even if the Chargers win, they don't like to win. I mean, they're, they're going to keep it close too, right? This line seems crazy to me. I'll take the Chargers. Okay. Next up, we have the Packers seven and two at the Indianapolis Colts, six and three. This is one of the um, good games this week too. We have Indianapolis is minus two here. And I am going to go with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers plus I two. Agree.
0: That, that line seems a little low. Is it just because of the stout defense of the Colts?
2: Yeah, the Colts off- offensive line, good defense. Um, but I think when it comes down to it, when you got to have it in the fourth quarter, I trust Rodgers more than I do Rivers. So I'm going to go with the Packers. All right, next up, we have the two and seven Cowboys most likely getting Andy Dalton back as he was reinstated from COVID this week at the four and five Minnesota Vikings in this game. The Vikings are minus seven point favorites. I'm sticking with my Cowboys Dallas plus seven.
0: So Vikings.
1: I, oh.
0: I cannot wait until the Cowboys lose this game and then we hear the cries from Cowboys fans to play Gary Gilbert instead of Andy Dalton. That'll <laughs> just be like a special joy that I hold for <laughs> myself. I can't wait for that. So
1: I hear it. I mean, this is supposed to be his spot to rejuvenate his career and be something and his second chance, but <laughs> yeah, Oof. I'm not too, too sure. sure.
2: All right. Next on the docket Patriots four and five, the surging Patriots, the winners of two, two in a row, at the Houston Texans, two and seven. They have two wins against the Jaguars. In this game, New England is only a two and a half point favorite. What's up with that? Are they begging you to take New England and then Houston's gonna win? I think so, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take that sucker bet and I'm gonna go New England minus two and a half here. I'm gonna be that sucker.
1: <laughs>
2: right? Because I mean everything was perfect for the Patriots on Sunday
0: night, right? The weather.
1: Well, they, you know, they
0: can control the weather in Foxborough.
2: Right. And just the way that they schemed up how to stop Lamar Jackson, the Patriots have a good secondary. So you knew they would prevent him from throwing the ball.
1: The um, little trick, their little trick play.
2: Right. The trick play that worked out. So uh, the Patriots are not good. We we saw that against the Jets the week before. They, they're not good. Um, let's not pretend. The te- Texans aren't good either, but. Last year in this game, the Texans destroyed the Patriots.
1: There were, were there without wide receiver Hopkins. I now, was just so. I was just gonna say that.
0: <laughs>
1: They're Wait, missing
2: that'd... a big piece. Yeah, well, they have Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks. So that that's fine, right? Uh,
1: I think I would take <laughs> Hopkins
2: back. Not the same. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Not the same. Not the same. Next up on the docket, we have the Chiefs, eight and one. Fresh off a bye. We know what that means. At the Raiders, who are infected with COVID all over the place, six and three. I think this game's, they're going to try to play it at this point as of today, but the Raiders are going through some stuff again right now. And the Chiefs are minus seven point favorites. But one rule we have is to always take the Chiefs coming off a of bye week. So Andy we... Reid
0: off, off the bye is a right. lock. lock. He's it a down. lock.
2: So max play, Chiefs minus seven.
0: Max, max, max.
1: Play, 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 play. X play them. Chiefs Raiders all right
2: Andy Reid off a buy it's, it's an auto pick and the same thing as like fade the Steelers off a buy auto pick
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> good thing we didn't have a buy this year <laughs> right these are things these are things that are set in stone we know and there's nothing we can do we just got to go go with it okay finally we have the Rams 6 and 3 at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 7 and 3 in this game Tampa Bay is minus a 4 point favorite it's a tricky one. This is a tough one. I, I'm I'm really struggling with this one, guys. I would like uh, the
0: Buccaneers minus three.
2: Well, it's minus four, so I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Taking the Rams.
0: Oh, but am I?
2: No, I'm gonna go Brady and the boys at home. I'm gonna go Tampa Bay minus four.
0: You think they're that they're gonna be able to get the ball out quick enough before Aaron Donald? The
2: Bucks have a good offensive line. All right. They do dumb stuff, though. They are the Buccaneers, so who knows?
0: Get a little antsy, start... Uh,
2: false behind, starts and stuff. Yeah,
0: false starts, get behind the chains.
2: Yeah, they always long. like to do that. Holding, headbutts. They, they let, yeah, they do all the stupid stuff. Everything stupid you can think of, that's what they do. But, I don't know. I just feel like, when you're not really sure, go with Tom Brady.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is week 11 in preview.
0: Sounds good. All right, kids. Well, uh, thank you for listening. If you've made it this far, we appreciate it. Make sure to like us on all the stuff, comment, subscribe, uh, interact with our Facebook at Green Mountain Sports on Facebook, at Green MT Sports on uh, the Instagram. You can hit Johnny at Green MT Grinder on the Twitter, and you can get me at Green MT Sports on the Twitter as well. Boys,
2: have a good week, man.
0: We'll see you next time. Have a good night. Time.
2: Yeah. Take All care. Right. Have a good week.